a couple of years in, I discovered because I was a professionally designated accountant in Canada, um, and they had their their code of conduct that I had to adhere to, I was not able to actually work with entrepreneurs and and do coaching. I either had to open an accounting agency or just do like a life coaching uh, type of business. And I could not bring my, my business and my coaching skills together. It was long and complicated, but basically the type of business I wanted to work, they said, well, this doesn't fit in for our members. You can't do that. And I remember thinking, what do you mean I can't do that, right? So um, I actually had to resign from the association, return my certificates that took me 10 years to get, (laughs) leave my designation behind. uh, And that was, uh, that, that I never thought I'd do. Because I just, you know, to me, that was just something that I had that was a fallback plan, or it was part of my history. It never occurred to me that I would the three letters that I worked so hard for after my name, I would have to give back. And that's our guest right from the middle of today's episode. Hey, if you haven't met before, it's me, Karthik. And on the show, I sit down with the most creative and disruptive thinkers, entrepreneurs and artists from around the globe. Now, if you consider yourself an unconventional thinker or a rebel, welcome home. By the way, if this is the first time that you're listening to this show, do consider subscribing. Just head over to designyourthinking.com slash subscribe and stay on top of every episode that comes out. And today I have a quick announcement to make. The show recently made it to the top 100 entrepreneurship podcasts on iTunes stores in Canada and UK. And it also made it to the top 150 in the entrepreneurship category in iTunes US and to the top 10 in the entrepreneurship category in India iTunes store. So I'd like to actually take a moment to make a personal request to you. Can you leave this show a rating and review on the iTunes store? No matter what country you live in, this is going to make a big, big difference to the show's popularity and help me reach more people just like you. But please, when you leave your review, I would appreciate if you leave your social media handle so I can look you up on social media and thank you personally. Thank you so much. All right, now it's time to introduce our guest today. Our guest today is Nafisa Shireen. She's an entrepreneur, a speaker, and an income growth expert specializing in helping women grow their businesses to multiple six figures and beyond. She's passionate about releasing subconscious blocks and helps women entrepreneurs uncover their limiting beliefs around self-worth and abundance so they can make more money and build a business and life that they love. A seasoned horseman, Nafisa includes what she's learned riding horses in her approach to helping her clients build their confidence and tap into the energy required to bring the vision to life. Without further ado, please join me in welcoming Nafisa Shireen. DYT Studios. It's the Design Your Thinking podcast, a show about creators, entrepreneurs, and nonconformists, and the stories behind the decisions they made that completely changed the future of their lives and businesses. And now your host, Karthik. Nafisa, there's obviously more to your story and what you do than what I said. 
entrepreneur, coach, horseman. Can you quickly introduce yourself so my listeners know exactly what you do? Sure, absolutely. Um, so I work primarily with entrepreneurs to help them grow their business and to add at least six figures to their what I would say to their lifestyle, um, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of talk in the entrepreneurial world about having a six or seven figure business, but it, it takes a lot of money to get your business to that level. So when we're looking at adding that kind of income, we're looking at the bottom line of it, like what what we're actually going to take out of that business for ourselves. And there's a lot of growth that mm-hmm. has to happen. Um, you know, you introduced me, I have a background in, in, in finance and in corporate development. Right. And so to me, business is really, really simple. Mm-hmm. But people people aren't. And so the right strategy for an entrepreneur can be very straightforward. Mm-hmm. And usually why it doesn't work is because they're not implementing it. And mm-hmm. so I work with entrepreneurs primarily to help them get their thinking straight, identify their the emotional and subconscious baggage that holds them back, and right. to help them learn how they show up and help them to transform those beliefs. And I do it through a variety of modalities. Um through coaching, through belief change. I work with horses. Mm-hmm. So it's an all-encompassing uh, thing that I do. And then, of course, once we can get that part figured out, then the business stuff is easy. Because, I mean, I can look at your business and tell you, you know. Right. But business is is boring to me compared to the human aspect of it. <laughs> that's interesting because that's where your soul right. is, right? Right, yeah. right, right. So much going on inside that yeah. small thing that we call ahead. So you're based in Vancouver and you've kind of spent 20 years practicing professional accounting. It seems that there's something about it that you really love. Well, actually, no. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's interesting because I, I had dropped out of college in 1987. Uh-huh. Um, I didn't enjoy what I was doing, and then I went to work for my father um, in Montreal, and then mm-hmm. I moved out to Vancouver in 1990, and I was working in a little retail store. Um, it was, but it was a retail store that was B to B, not really B to C. So it was just a, a bit of a higher level retail store, uh-huh. and I was helping out with a lot of their bookkeeping. And the owner of the store at that time said to me, "You know, you could actually have a career if you went to school and studied." accountancy. So it wasn't something that I had a burning desire to do. I just heard, oh, I could make more money doing this. (laughs) So so I did it. And then I I went to school for 10 years at night to get my accounting Uh degree and designation. Right. And I, in that program, you had to have um, subsequent levels of responsibility and experience in accounting in order to graduate. But I never enjoyed that. And as soon as I did graduate... Hmm that designation became um, a ticket in for me to get into business. And then I really, I worked in project development in the mining industry, Mm -hmm. um, corporate development, community engagement. I actually stopped working in in the accounting aspect of it. Right. That I see. Because I didn't know what else to do. I didn't know what else to study. I was just told, here, go, go, go study this. Um, It certainly wasn't a lifelong passion. Wow. And, uh, and it's not a two-year or a four-year period that you took to actually do that. It took 10 years. No, because I did it at night when I was working wow. full-time. Wow. Yeah. That must have been, I don't know, uh, how was it to actually do a full-time, work a full-time job and do something like this uh, back then, before the internet it was, was in, on? 
It was intense. And I, thank you for speaking about before the internet, because I remember when we had our, our, our assignments due and they had to be postmarked by a certain date, I'd right. be running out to a, a local 7-Eleven or, or wow. corner store that had a post office in it to get that post stamp before midnight right. <laughs> <laughs> as I'd put them in paper. It was it was really, really intense. Um, and, mm. you know, I, I commuted. I had a long commute on top of my work days. And as we were getting more responsibility mm-hmm. in in your career, your your days are longer, right? So it right. was quite, it 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 was intense. But you know what's really interesting is when I, but halfway through, because I went from ninety five to two thousand and five, mm-hmm. um, well, they started to come online, and I had a lot of resistance to that because I didn't understand how to learn online back right. then. It's it's funny even thinking about that now, um, but it did change things and make it make it easier but the first year that we went online i was like i don't i don't know how to do this right, <laughs> i don't know how right. to go to school online yeah yeah I'm you old. Know, <laughs> at any point uh, when you were doing this did you ever even before that for that matter ever ever one day think that you would give up this professional license one day N- no um I've always been very driven, and so I never thought I'd give it up. Like I said, it would, to me, it was just a stepping stone to, to get in and to get right. ahead to where it needed to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but as my career progressed, I got further and further out of the nitty-gritty of accounting and more mm-hmm. into the, the bigger picture of, of developing businesses. And then, you know, as I worked my way up, I mean, I made it to the top in a man's world. I was an executive in the mining industry. Right. Um, and I was making a lot of money, and I was traveling, and I had a lot of notoriety in my own industry, right? right. Um, but then it was fun until it wasn't anymore, because to, to get to that level is one thing, and to stay at it, I, I wasn't liking who I was becoming to do hmm. that, and so it was just it was just time to, to go. Right. And how I went, when I went into the mining industry, I came in at mid level management and through mm-hmm. working with a coach I went up to senior management I went from a five figure career to a near seven figure career and all of this happened while working with a coach and so mm. I really saw the value of coaching from my own life and the enjoyment that I actually got out of my career right. was in the mentoring aspect of it so it it seemed like a natural progression to to move that way right um but what you say is really interesting because um a couple of years in, I discovered because I was a professionally designated accountant in Canada, mm-hmm. um, and they had their their code of conduct that I had to adhere to. Right. I was not able to actually work with entrepreneurs and and do coaching. I either mm-hmm. had to open an accounting agency or just do like a life coaching uh, type of business, and I could not bring my t- my business and my coaching skills together. It was right. long and complicated, but basically the type of business I wanted to work, they said, well, mm-hmm. this doesn't fit in for our members. You can't do that. Got it. And I remember thinking, what do you mean I can't do that, right? So right. Um, the, I actually had to resign from the association, return my certificate. So it took me 10 years to get, wow. <laughs> leave my designation behind, Uh and that was uh, that that I never thought I'd do right. because I just, you know, to me, that was just something that I had that was a fallback plan or it was part of my history. Right. It never occurred to me that I would, the three letters that I worked so hard for after my name, I right. would have to give back. Exactly. But I did it. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Tell us something about uh, yourself that most people that you know don't know about you. Something that you've never had a chance to share so far. 
that we ever had a chance. Um, I mean, most people wouldn't know that I'm a crazy Star Trek fan. Um, I think those closest to me would know, but the general public would not know that. <laughs> I love Star Trek. <laughs> wow, wow. And 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 are, to what extent uh, does that um, fandom take you to doing having collectibles? No, no, no. I. Um, it's more just. I will never miss a Star Trek movie. Cool. I watched Star Trek: The Next Generation over and over and over and over again. All the reruns. Um, I some of my passwords used to be Star Trek related <laughs> things that I would log into, and um, you know, and right. really, it makes sense when I think of where my life came now because it's all about exploring possibility and making it happen. Right? It was. Right. Uh, it was all about that creating the impossible. Right. And right. I, I didn't know it at the time, right? But who you right. are leaves clues your whole life, and I've 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 loved it. I, I love the Klingons. I loved Lieutenant Worf and Captain Picard, and so those was <laughs> that was my uh, that was my twenties. <laughs> loved it. Still do. So you probably need to change your passwords now. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's okay. They've all been changed, <laughs> but those were <laughs> but those were ones that I used to have years ago. <laughs> Nafisa earned her professional accounting degree in 2004 and held on to it for 10 years until 2014 when she decided to actually return the degree or she actually sent back her certificates. And in just a couple of years from then, in 2014, Nafisa decided to leave the mining industry to start off with her coaching business. Now, this was not an easy decision because she took 10 years to get that degree. And now, after 10 years of working with that degree, she chose to return all of this. Having to start something new in a completely new industry after having spent your entire life, at least 20 years of your life, doing something is a big decision. So, I was interested to know what was running inside Nafisa's mind when she actually decided to do all of this. Can perhaps take us back to the time, just a few weeks or months that led to that big decision? Just curious. Yeah. yeah so, I mean, there was two aspects. I mean, there was there was the decision to change my career and the decision mm-hmm. to resign from the accounting profession. Those were two two different decisions at two different times. Um, the decision to leave the corporate world, it just it had just come to a natural conclusion. I was mm. burnt right out. I mean, I would be traveling hmm. nonstop. I think the worst week I ever did is I hit five time zones in one week. Wow. Only five days in a week, right? So, um, I was burnt and the, the, the competitiveness and and also in the um, in the mining industry because it's a natural resource industry, right. it's very commoditized. Hmm. And so, depending on what, you know, some guy makes an announcement or a politician or something happens and that'll affect the metals markets and mm-hmm. the stock markets. And then next thing you know, uh, the company can't raise funding and everybody gets laid off. Wow. I was never, I, I never got laid off through those big changes because I was working right in the crash of 2008 and I managed to uh, right. not lose my, my job. Um, but that constant stress of like, Everything, I mean, you could control a certain amount, but there's so many outside right. forces that would affect your, it just burnt me right out. So, I, and the degree I had to work to never lose my job through all the ups and downs was, was mm-hmm. killing me. So, it was just time to go. Um, and I wanted to do something different. I preferred working with people. Now, mm-hmm. giving up the account, the accounting designation, it wasn't even a thought in my mind, but what was happening was 
there were a lot of restrictions on on the type of business I could open because hmm. I belong to this professional association and they have that right because they own the designation. So right. I thought I had um, really come up with a good compromise on a way to create the type of business I wanted while still staying within their rules. And so because I'm an honest person, mm-hmm. um, I called their I called their public practice department or their ethical department, I can't remember, just wow. to discuss it with them, let them know so that I could get official approval. And while I'm on the phone with them, so now I'm no longer flying under the radar with, you know, thousands right. of accountants. I'm on the phone with them. <laughs> and she's she connects on LinkedIn with me right then and there while we're talking. <laughs> and then she goes onto my website and she's like, oh, you can't do any of this. I'm like, wow. okay. So even what I had thought was okay, um, they were not comfortable with. So right. I got off that call thinking that I couldn't have, the, that I could not build the business I wanted to build and I felt hmm. very trapped. And this was a pivotal moment for me. And, you know, if anybody's listening right now, I think this is, was one of my biggest learnings that I could have listened to them and said, well, it's too bad. I can't do it. These are my circumstances. This is the conditions of my designation and, and, and let somebody else decide the business right. and life that I wanted. Mm-hmm. And I realized in that moment, and I, I worked with, I mean, I had coaches too. I mean, I always will walk my talk. Mm-hmm. My coach at the time said, well, what do you, what do you want? Like, what's, what's going to happen if you don't, build this business that you want. Mm-hmm. And it took me about two or three months to come to the decision to let it go because it was really tough. Mm. But I, I wasn't making half decent money in my business because I was so restricted. And right. I, I couldn't, and I wasn't liking what I was doing because mm-hmm. I was trying to follow their rules. And then I realized that, well, they might own the the designation, but I own my experience. I own my life. And so I will resign. And it was not an mm. easy decision. Um, but it, it came to me realizing that no, other people don't get to say what I do. I decide. And am I willing to take this risk? And yes, I'm willing mm-hmm. to take the risk. And and I didn't realize I was going to have to send back my, my diplomas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. But I did. I took them off the wall. I took them out of their frames. I mailed them back, signed it. it that was pretty difficult. Wow. Um, but, you know, once I did that, that's when my business started to take off because I was free. <laughs> I could do what I wanted, right? right. So, it's, it never let a circumstance or somebody else outside you um, make the decision for you. So, this happened in, the mailing back happened in 2014. Was it? Two, yeah, I believe it was. Yeah, it something, was something around that. Yeah, and so then, yeah I'm trying you, to think it was 2014 or you, 2015, I, but it was... 2014 was five years ago. And you ago. started your coaching business in 2012. Yes. Right. So so there was this two-year period when you actually were doing coaching and still had the certificates and all of that. Um, yes. If you can take us back in time to perhaps 2011, what were the first steps that you took that, uh, that led you to having the courage to do something that you did in 2014? Um, well, I've always been somebody who's not afraid of change. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you think about the steps that I took in t- 2014, that's a whole lifetime of of decisions that got me there. So the biggest decision I had made up till that point was in 2007. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was working at a mining company. Right. And I had a good job. I was making, I don't know, 80 
85 grand a year. I can't remember exactly how much. Mm-hmm. And that was good money back mm-hmm. then, right? It's still right. good money, I guess. Right. Um, I had a middle management position. I was very well respected in the company. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, this was, was it 2006? It was 2007. That's right. This okay. So, Nova Gold yeah, Resources. Try- yeah, it was Nova Gold Resources. Yeah. yeah. And I remember. Um, we formed a joint venture with uh, another company, mm-hmm. um, uh, Barrett Gold, a really large company. And that was up in Anchorage, Alaska. I lived in Vancouver, Canada. And there was an opportunity for a finance manager at the project site. Right. And I uh, I wanted it. Mm. And there was a lot of corporate politics because there was a, a joint venture partner involved. They had a finance manager and right. she didn't want that job up in Alaska. Um, mm-hmm. My immediate supervisors did not think that I was qualified for that mm-hmm. job. And I was like, I am qualified to get qualified. <laughs> was my theory. <laughs> and so I, um, I, I did what any person would do. I begged. <laughs> it's not very <laughs> graceful. I begged for the job mm-hmm. and they said, yes. However, there was one big, caveat it was a temporary contract for six uh-huh. months and they would make that decision in that six months if I would be able to um, stay or not mm-hmm. and so I had to give up my seniority I went wow. and I worked in another country um, at, and at the end of the six months this was a new contract so I, I kind of gave up all my like ability for severance and anything like that. I was just, if if it ended, it just ended like, cause this was a six month contract. So I had no security and it was in Alaska and we had a massive mortgage at the time. And Mm. I was like, okay, I'm going because I knew I could count on myself. Mm -hmm. And, and sure enough, uh, before the six months were up, I was offered a permanent position. Um, I, excelled in it. My income kept growing and growing and growing. I was getting bonuses and stock right. options. And, and that's when I just, I had like explosive personal and income growth. And it was mm. an amazing, amazing three and a half years. Um, not just in work experience, but in life experience. Cause when you right. get to go live in Alaska, it's, it's a really incredible mm-hmm. thing. And everybody that I knew thought I was crazy because I had a secure job Right. I had benefits. I had like I had everything, and I was here in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And the irony in all of this is that shortly after that happened, that's when the whole economic meltdown happened. Right. And because I was in this joint venture that had to succeed, my my job was kind of protected and outside of that. Mm-hmm. And so many people at our head office lost their jobs. I'll never forget the day I saw this. Um, massive layoff notification that came Mm. by and I realized that you know I mean I don't know for sure but the chances that I would have been laid off had I not taken this chance were uh, like huge I mean so the safe choice wasn't safe at all right and this has been my experience you know I left Montreal in 1990 with just a few thousand dollars in the bank and Mm. came to Vancouver without jobs friends nothing so I've always taken really big chances because I'm not afraid to. And so leading up to that point of giving up my designation, um, I, the thing is, I don't think it was, it didn't feel like a big risk or scary. Mm-hmm. It was more a mourning of letting go of an identity or letting go of what I'd spent 20 years on. Right. But it really, when I did the black and white, was not that risky. 
And so it just seemed like, yeah, I can handle the change, but I felt sad for closing a door. So it was right. a little bit, it wasn't the, the, the risk that scared me on that one because I'm used to it. And, yeah. And you had not started a business. You were not an entrepreneur till then. And this was till, the first time till the point. 2012. 2012. Yeah. And this was the first time that you were actually starting off with doing something on your own. Just, yeah. just curious, what, what was your business model looking like back then? Broke. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, um, so <laughs> I knew a lot about business. Mm. I knew nothing about being an entrepreneur. Mm. Nothing. And I, I like to joke that my first year in business, I hit six figures like right away. Unfortunately, it was in reverse. Like the money just went out. Cause I, and part of it too is because I was used to dealing with such big numbers and, and working the way I was in, in, in a mining industry that um, I, I didn't quite grasp, oh wait, this is my own money right now. So um, right. I, I put – I went into every course, everything I could do. I, de- I invested, 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 mm-hmm. but I, I didn't, I made the mistake of not learning how to sell hmm. right away. And I just thought, well, if I open my business, people will come to me and they'll just buy. I didn't, I didn't know. I knew nothing about marketing. I knew nothing about selling. I knew a lot about business. And, mm-hmm. and the stuff I knew about maybe marketing and selling were all textbook. I didn't have it within me. And now I could negotiate massive contracts right. when I was in corporate days. No problem. I negotiated salary. I negotiated my salary, other people's salary. No problem. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the head trip it does on you when you suddenly right. don't have a big company behind you that you're representing and it's just you. Right. And so my first, first, first paying client, I charged her $25. Wow. That wasn't going to succeed very well, right? Right. And what was so that client? First, what was that? Sorry? It was a coaching client? Yeah, it was a coaching client. It okay. was for, uh, she was curious about a uh, something I had was taking a certification in, and so mm-hmm. it's not this isn't something I work with anymore. But it just right. was uh, it was assessment, and really it was an hour session. I probably should have charged her at least three or four hundred dollars, but I just charged her twenty five dollars. And at that point, I mean, I, I, I hadn't made twenty five dollars for an hour like for years, but I had a value problem in my head. So the first couple of years were were rough for mm-hmm. sure. And, and that's why I'm so fascinated on the human behavior <laughs> side of things. <laughs> so what really held you back from asking that $300 or $400 that you think today that you should have charged back then? I was so scared that they would say no. I was afraid of rejection. Mm. I wanted her to like me. All the stuff that kind of goes through my head. And I, and I actually did not know. I didn't know how to price for, for value versus time mm. for money. Right. Um, that was a big learning curve because I didn't know, I mean, especially when you start off brand new as a coach, until you've worked with a few people that start to have good results, you don't actually necessarily know what the value is that Mm -hmm. you're, you're bringing to people. Now, a good coach is going to bring value. And I mean, I I work, some of my clients are coaches, not all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know that they all bring incredible value to their clients. So when I say you don't know what your value is, this isn't from me observing them. I'm I'm, I'm stepping into their shoes of, they haven't experienced it viscerally yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was there too. So I had, I had no idea, you know, I had no idea that it, that I would get to a point in my life where I would help someone cross the seven-figure mark. I mean, if I'd known that, I maybe wouldn't have charged $25. It wasn't to that particular person that right. she crossed the seven-figure mark, but I had no way of knowing. Um, so the first couple of years were, were a bit rough. I, I just, I, 
I took certification programs and I would follow mm. their their methodology to the T. Right. But that didn't necessarily work because it wasn't me, right? It wasn't right. how I work with people. So, um, yeah, it was just, it was a rough couple of years. Absolutely. While on one side, Nafisa is an entrepreneur, she is also a seasoned horseman. But she's not an ordinary horseman. She discovered something more about horses that most people don't. You know, you're, you are a seasoned horseman. Now, tell us more about that. How did you get started? Well, I, um, I always rode horses on trail rides with, with my school or with my friends. And uh, riding a trail horse is very different than owning having your own horse. Hmm. And um, I, when I came out to Vancouver, I moved to British Columbia from Montreal, mm-hmm. I would still sometimes go and find places to ride. And then I, this was back in the early 1990s, I went mm-hmm. on a trail ride and I got on a runaway horse scared the daylights out of me. So I wow. got off that horse and never got on one for about 10 more years after that. And I used to just ride recreationally, you know, a couple mm-hmm. times a month. So we eventually left the city and moved out to the country. Mm-hmm. And I started taking horseback riding lessons because we lived near a center. And I thought, well, I, mm-hmm. I really need to deal with this. And I started taking lessons. My teacher retired and she was, um, selling her horses and she had one that had nowhere to go because he actually wasn't hers. Mm-hmm. His owner had abandoned him. Mm-hmm. And so myself and another student took him on and it was, I was still planning on riding once a week. I was still working in Alaska, so I didn't really right. have a lot of time. Um, and then eventually the, the, my partner who I shared him with got her own horse. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was just me and him. And I was like, well, what do I do with him? Right. <laughs> um, right. And I contemplated, like, just getting out of it. But then I thought, well, this poor horse has been passed around and around. I can't do that. And so I thought, well, so nothing happens in life by accident. This horse has come into my life for a reason. I was Mm -hmm. I was scared of him, like terrified of him. Mm -hmm. Um, I would not ride alone. I just had a lot of stuff in my head, like that. I I can't ride without a teacher there. And I decided, well, I've I've. uh, overcome every other challenge I've had. So I'm going to learn Mm -hmm. how to be a horseman. And it was, yeah, it was originally out of dedication to this one animal that I felt had been given like a a bad rap in life. He'd been passed around and passed around. And I was boarding at a predominantly English barn, um, English style Mm -hmm. riding, hunter jumper, dressage, and very traditional techniques and it was mm-hmm. all about you know you work the horse you lunge the horse you use equipment with the horse and the horse is very much treated i mean they were very i mean these people were amazing at their animal husbandry but the, the mm. underlying uh, culture is still a little bit of of the animal being uh, a piece of sporting equipment not that these people right. were intentionally doing that this is just right. was my own observation i thought there has to be something different right and i was working in my business with a a coach at the time who was really in studying pirelli natural horsemanship and she told me about it and i was like what does that mean what does pirelli mean right hmm. and um i was being more and more challenged with this horse and so i thought well there's got to be another way and so it took me a long time to find a natural horsemanship uh, mentor here and mm-hmm. when i did called her up and i told her i was afraid of my own horse and <laughs> um she took me on as a client and mm. it's been 
four, almost five years. And wow. I've been like, it totally transformed me. And I started to, I mean, I obviously love my horse and we, mm. we developed such a tight bond. Um, but then I started to really learn to love a different way of being with horses. Like I don't actually right. care if I ever ride again because I feel there's so much potentiality in a horse. And so right. over the last couple of years, once I started to learn the natural horsemanship, I wanted more. And so I would right. say my philosophy has really developed more into a conscious horsemanship approach. Mm. Um, I bought I bought a farm. I bought my own ranch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I live with four of them now. We're looking wow. to expand our herd. I'm not afraid of my horses. You know, I work with horses. I right. I train them. I so it's it's been that's been a, an amazing journey as well. And so it was. Mm. I call myself an accidental but very grateful horseman. They mm. they've changed my life. You know, it's interesting that you said when you when you were describing all of that, you you made this phrase that nothing happens for no reason. Mm -hmm. You know, not not a lot of people think and believe in 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 that kind of thinking. What makes you actually say something like that? Well, I I just feel there's no accidents in, in the universe, and. Um, the right people will, or resources come into your life at the right time. The right challenges come at the right time. Everything, everything you can grow from or shrink back from it. it it's mm -hmm. like every big decision like that in life is an opportunity to either step forward and step up or step back and stay stuck. That's just what I believe. Mm -hmm. So I had a horse that I was afraid of and that I he's a very gentle horse, but I was just afraid of him, right? <laughs> um, right. I realized, like, this is all in my head. Like, this is all in my head. If other people can do this hmm. that aren't, I mean, taking aside the fact that there are, there can be some pretty wild horses out there and they need really right. advanced professional trainers, right? right. right. This was not the case, right? Oh. This was just a horse that sometimes had a bad day, right? And, mm -hmm. and any everyone else could do it. So I realized right. that, this is all inside my head. And if I, and I was attached to him, I cared deeply about the, this horse. I thought if I can't get over my own internal fears here hmm. with this, where else is this, right. where else is this showing up right. for me? Right? right. And so I realized that, you know, um, I was going to step up and I was going to learn it. I was not going to be overtaken mm -hmm. by it. So when I think that nothing happens you know without a reason that was so pivotal because i didn't just become a better horseman i became a better human i became a better entrepreneur i became a better friend um, because i had to horses are mirrors of who we are tell me more about that uh, in fact when you say horses are mirrors how did you come to this realization on the first place um, I mean, it's just spending a lot of time with them, um, researching them, learning about them, reading books with some of the I would call them spiritual teachers in the horse world. Uh -huh. um, Linda wow. Kawanoff is one of the leaders in the equine-assisted coaching world, and I, I accidentally fell across one of her books. I hadn't heard of really what equine-assisted coaching was before that. Mm. Um, and, I mean, there's a lot of intuition involved with it, and, you know, we can get into, like, the, the spiritual and emotional and intuitive aspect of it, and, and that right. definitely exists. And also on the scientific end of it, though, horses are prey animals. Mm -hmm. They have survived as a species by being able to understand the intention of a predator, right? They wow. have to know if a, a, a bear walking by is full or hungry, <laughs> right? Wow. So, that's why they, the, the fight or flight, why they will 
why they can run as fast as they can, right? So right. when a, so they're very in tune to the energy we we put out. Um, our body language, our internal congruence, like mm-hmm. do our insides match our outsides? Because they don't feel safe. I mean, we are the ultimate predator. So right. if our emotions, if we're not congruent around a horse, mm. you, you can be scared and they'll be okay if you're honest about it. But if you're pretending you're not, they mm. can feel that. And and to them, it's, it's actually a life safety thing. So they're not going right. to want to come – like a domestic horse – they're going to maybe shy away from you or back off from you. They might not mm-hmm. take off and, and run, um, but they're, they're going to let you know um, that they don't feel safe. And wow. so they really reflect it. And, and when I've, when I work with clients and I've had group retreats here, it's really mm-hmm. evident how they, how they reflect the, the people that are here. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, a horse can show up one way for a person one day and show up another way a different day. And then you can think, well, it's a different day. The weather's changed. Like there's all kinds of things. There's our feed changed, right? But when you have one person after another working with one horse Mm. and he shows up differently for each person, you know it's a reflection of it. So they they will pick up on that. And so I always say the horse that shows up for you that day is the you that has shown up for that horse. Um, I did an exercise at a retreat one time, and it was mm-hmm. fascinating. Where we put a bucket of treats in in the center of the the, the arena, mm-hmm. and the client's job this was a, an exercise in understanding their energetic boundaries mm-hmm. was to not let that horse get to the treats for ten seconds. I just have to hold because I mean you, wow. you got to be fair. You got to let him have his, his food, right? Right. Just ten seconds, hold him back. You can't touch him. Just don't let him do it. And it was fascinating to watch how he showed up differently. You know, there was one woman who just, she went and did her yoga power poses, got into her strength, came in and just stood there and he didn't even try. There were other people where it, they started spinning each other up. I had to interfere, right? (laughs) Others, he would try to sneak around and I knew all these people. And it was funny because it's like, wow, he's reading exactly what I would have read as their coach about how they are with boundaries. And so, they really do sense that, um, mm. and they they pick up on it. And so, they will be if they're agitated. You're probably agitated, mm. and, and right. so we always want to be checking our emotions. If they're relaxed, then you're relaxed and congruent. And so they're just incredible mirrors. And so when I think back now, because hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Um, I didn't know at the time that horses were mirrors when I made the decision to go forward. All I knew was. If it's showing up here, it's showing up somewhere else. So mm. I have to master this. And and my life really changed once I mastered that. Like I'd made a lot of big decisions up till that point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, as obviously like the, giving up my designation, right. taking the job in Alaska. And it was a good life, but it really catapulted after I was able to master this thing. Because it was something I kept thinking I couldn't do. And so I did it. Right. The visa saw this potential in horses to really understand people at a deeper subconscious level. But using this unique ability in horses to help entrepreneurs? Well, I want to understand from Nafisa as to how she came about this realization that mindset is one of the biggest challenges entrepreneurs have and how she started to use horses to actually help them. So there, I mean, those are two two different time periods in my life. So the the first thing about understanding that it's all mindset, I mean, I didn't even know what the word mindset meant 
when I left really? corporate, right? I had, I had no clue what all that meant. Wow. So you're saying you were never this kind of a person when you were working with the oil industry a few years back? No, no, no. I was... I was very focused on my left brain because that's what I knew would make me successful. Um, So my biggest shock was when I left that career thinking that starting a business for someone like me should have been easy Mm -hmm. and it was so hard and that I was able to negotiate multi-eight figure contracts easily. I could... um, go to our board of directors on our joint venture and present, you know, $40 million budgets, no problem, totally confident. But I could barely get the words $25 out of my mouth when it came to selling for me. So that was my first start to realize it was more than just tactical skill. Mm -hmm. And even the emotional skills you develop in one place might not serve you somewhere else. And so Mm -hmm. it was my own realization that it wasn't like a how-to, it was a, a how-to-be that right. got me really fascinated. And and I, my clients, like because I, I hadn't mastered this, some of them would sometimes have some of the same struggles mm-hmm. where it would be very simple, here, this is what you need to do, and they wouldn't do it. I'm like, hmm. why won't you do that? It's just so easy, right? right. But it, like, easy in the sense it didn't take a lot of skill, so, oh, so difficult in the sense that outside their comfort zone, they risked rejection, they mm. didn't believe it would work. And so that really got me into really curiosity about how we show up as people. And I was always, you know, when I think about my corporate days, I was always more interested in the d- developing and mentoring team than I was mm-hmm. in spreadsheets and whatever. So this really right. started to appeal to me. The mm. horse part, um, I started to, to like when I started to master horsemanship and natural hmm. horsemanship, it had nothing to do with my business. This was my own thing. I mean, it had results in my business, right. but it was my own thing. And then I read this book by Linda Kowanov. Mm-hmm. It was my first time realizing this would have been in 20, uh, 2015 or yeah, it would have been 2015 that I'd read this. Mm-hmm. And I thought this is really interesting, but I can't do that. Right. right. I did it again, right? I can't yeah. do that. And then um, I started working with the mentor that I'm working with now in early mm. 2016, and he asked me hmm. if I was going to pick between my horses or my coaching career. I was so mad at him. I'm like, what do you mean I got to yeah. choose, right? Right. And he's like, that's not what I'm asking you. And he just he just stared at me. I'm in this VIP day with him, and I paid like, 20 grand for this VIP day. And I'm like, this man's making me really mad for a lot of money. right? <laughs> and, and, um, and then I realized it, and I didn't realize it in that moment, hmm. but it was a couple of months later that I was like, oh, wait a minute, I can do this. Right. What if right. I bring this into my, my life and my business? Mm-hmm. And so the, the seed was planted. Of course, at the time I had one horse, right. um, I had, didn't know where to learn how to get certified. I did not have a place to do it because mm. I, I my house was boarded in a facility. So it started a whole other journey. And this was early, early 2017, early 2016. I can't remember to start mm-hmm. to start to, the, the process of, of learning. And well, first of all, realizing I knew so much just from my own experience and stepping up into becoming a horseman. Um, and then going through, you know, 
what do you call it, formal trainings. Right. Um, and I'm never done studying. I'm always going to be studying. Right. And then buying, you know, making the massive investment in myself and my business to buy a ranch. Um, this all happened over the last couple of years. And so it, it just, it all unfolded organically. And I, I think when my coach asked me that question it it triggered me because it was an opportunity that I hadn't seen in front of me and I and I didn't I had so much fear again that could I do this or or not do this and I also knew my own transformation the last three or four years with this horse Mm -hmm. like I believed in it right so it just it all kind of unfolded it's I I would say there was no pivotal moment it just all unfolded right yeah right you know, I have your LinkedIn profile in front of me, and I, I see so many certifications. You you did mention about them early on, but one particular thing kind of caught my attention: where you did a certification on eating psychology. I never never knew that existed on the first place. Why why did you care to get certified on something like that? Okay, so that was so when I first left corporate, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, mm-hmm. and um, again, I still had my accounting designation and right. they were very limited. I couldn't work with entrepreneurs. And so I started my journey going into health coaching I and see. I had lost quite a significant amount of weight myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I never really bought into on a, on a personal level, like any one dogma when it came to eating food, <laughs> I, 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 I believed in, in, you know, I used to have a web, uh, not a website, a Facebook page called Fit and Delicious, right? Like you could mm-hmm. still have a delicious life, including delicious food and be fit. This was my theory. And so when I saw this training on eating psychology, I was like, well, that sounds really cool. <laughs> it was a 200, 200 hours of lectures. It was a long course. Wow. Uh, and it was good. It was really good for my own self-development. Mm. Um, they they do incredible work in the world. It just wasn't right for me as a business. Right. Um but uh, that was really an incredible training on self-acceptance and, mm. and again, going deep, going below the surface and finding the story that's creating the results. Because mm. traditional coaching is it's solution-focused, which I agree with. Like you, look, you only look forward. Right. But I always felt there was something missing. Coaching's not therapy. And at the same time, we can't transform what's not working till we look at it, right? So mm. it... It was my first invitation to go deep, and um, so yeah, it's it's not what I do in my business, but it's a fundamental part of how I show up as a coach. You know that you talk about going deep and all of that. Um, you know, a thing that I really uh, believe that as people who are entrepreneurs and creatives and all of that, like you are, you know, we constantly kind of building whatever we do, whatever decision you take and whatever you do, whatever you create, you're building this legacy, a body of work that kind of you're going to leave behind when, when you know, when, when you're gone. So is there a kind of work that you've always wanted to do that you haven't had a chance to work on so far? Um, you know, I, I'm doing it now, right? And... um. I think that the the legacy where I would really love to to move this to is, mm. I mean, I I it's two sided. One, the fact that I was born in you know the wrong side of the tracks, wrong religion, wrong skin color, all this stuff that could have been uh, against me 
Mm-hmm. to succeed in my career and mm-hmm. I did it anyway because I had the this burning desire mm-hmm. so for me being able to help people get past all those hang-ups is is huge and seeing them create what they want to create the second aspect of this is um, as I've worked a lot with horses and this is I think this is um, it's just such a great byproduct of, of the work that I do mm-hmm. is a lot of times when horses are are done with their riding career because they're old, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of them end up at auction or slaughtered or just bumped wow. off to go retire somewhere, right? And I I believe that you know riding is just one thing you can do with a horse. It's not everything. Right. And sometimes the horse, some horses aren't meant for riding. They don't like it. Some do right. love it. Like my my horse that I've had for so long. He's twenty four. He trips. <laughs> He's not. He's not a smooth ride, but he loves to ride. So, I, mm. but I don't work him hard or try to get him precise. Like that's right. not what it's about. It's just he he likes it, so we do it. Um, right. Other ones don't like it. That's okay. And I feel like part of part of the work that I can do is just um, really give a voice to horses to be more recognized as sentient beings, mm. and that they have a purpose other than being a, a farm tool or a sporting piece of sporting equipment right that they are that they can enrich our lives and that hopefully just through the work i do i can't save them all but i can enrich the lives of a few every horse here on my farm including mine Mm -hmm. is a rescue in one form or another right that wasn't suitable for riding anymore so um and i'm really proud of that that i was able to give them space nice you know when you kind of look back uh at your own life, what are the moments that come to your mind, both in your life and career, uh, that's made you the person that you are today? The moments in my life and career, um, I would say definitely moving from Montreal to to Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked for nine or ten years in this in this retail shop originally, and that was wow. a, a lot of development. That's where I met my husband, <laughs> so I guess that's nice. a. a, a pivotal one um taking the job in alaska mm-hmm. um getting the horse um these are things that really mm-hmm. changed i mean they were they were culminations but they mm-hmm. were definitely pivotal 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 moments um buying the ranch these were all things where every single one of them i had an opportunity to stay where I was or move right. forward. And I think, I'm sure there's other ones along the way that are not coming to my head right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but every, every time, and I really believe this because it's not just my life. I see it with, with clients. I see it with colleagues. I see it with friends. Mm-hmm. Every time a challenge comes up in our life, mm-hmm. we are being given an opportunity to shrink or grow. And to be held back by it or to overcome it. And it's it, it's just, it's, it comes down to choice. Right. And so I, I believe those challenges are there for our growth. And I've seen people not step up. And then I see people do step up. And, and sometimes stepping up isn't easy. Right. Like it, it's going to take everything out of you. Right. Um, but you know what? Shrinking back actually isn't easy either because we don't usually right. like what we're stuck right. with. Right. So it's kind of like pick your heart. And so I think, yeah, like it's those moments of decision, those moments of why is this being difficult? Why is this so difficult? There, there's 
there's an opportunity there. So those are the moments that made me who I am. Nice. Really nice. Uh, you know, we all have our own definitions of success. What is yours? Mine? My defini- definition of success is that you're able to do what you want with whom you want, doing the work you want, <laughs> without ever having to worry about money. Nice. Nice. The, the dollar amount's unique to you. It's the, the freedom to hmm. be who you are and enjoy it and not have money worries is success. You know, one of the things I observed when I was going through your blog posts, your videos and all of that is that um, a lot of those topics that you talk about, you you kind of seem to resonate with more is uh, around how to ask for money or how to ask mm-hmm. for a sale mm-hmm. uh, in your videos. Why do you think, um, you know, obviously you're doing, you're talking about that because you think it's important. Just curious, why did you, why do you kind of think that topic is something that you need to talk about often? Um, well, there's, there's two reasons. I mean, one, um, on YouTube, YouTube's a search engine, right? So right. Um, we want to make sure that we're, we have topics right. that are, are searchable and that my channel can rank and have authority in it so we get found. Um, but there's a lot of things I could have picked. So the reason exactly. I picked that one as a, as a searchable topic is because I believe money is a doorway and window into your soul. Hmm. And it's money is never a problem or a solution or, or a good thing or a bad thing. It's a result of what's going on inside of you. And so, you know, asking for the sale is sometimes, you know, from my own experience, I know this too, from the beginning is one of the most difficult things for an entrepreneur to do. Mm-hmm. And it's not about the sale. It's about all the, the, the beliefs and the baggage and the subconscious stress and everything that goes with it that makes it difficult and so this becomes a window in and so if somebody's struggling with that aspect um then i know i'm able to Mm. help them with with the work that i do so this is something that you know when we take it to a bigger level we'll we'll find out the the beliefs and the behaviors and the paradigms that are keeping them stuck but people never really look at the problem where it is right the Mm. the internal programming the subconscious stress the the generational stories they're looking at the problem where they see it i don't have any clients i can't Mm -hmm. ask for the sale right like so 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 we we look for that level of problem and and i chose that topic because it a it's searchable and b more importantly it, it really dovetails into the actual work that i do Really nice. You know, uh, Nafisa, they say that, you, you know, we, we are the sum of the five people we hang out with. Now, just curious, uh, who do you spend most of your time with? Uh, friends? Who do I spend most of my time with? Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I would say it would be my horses, but, um, <laughs> I, do, but I generally uh, spend time with friends that I have met through my career. They don't all necessarily live here in mm-hmm. my local area. So I make a point to go to places where I can be with other entrepreneurs who have elevated the conversation. So I do um, I do really seek out associations carefully. I've had to shed some friendships and not in mm. a bad way. It's just that the conversation was not in the direction I wanted to go. Right. Um, not th- not like I broke up with a friend. It's just more like really right. taking that level higher. So I'm always mm-hmm. looking for people that have, um, how do I put it? Well, where I'm not going to be the smartest person in the room. So that's how I seek out my associations, people that I can learn from right. and who are doing amazing things. So whether that's other entrepreneurs, um, friends of friends, mentors, it's so important who you surround yourself with. Nice. If you were 
kind of me sitting here uh, having this conversation with you, what is that one question that you would ask that I didn't ask you so far? Oh boy, that's that's a good one. What would you ask that I haven't asked so far? Um, you've asked a lot. I can't think of any. I'm sure I'll think of something once we get off the phone. <laughs> um, no, I think you've got just about all of them. If you know, if you had a chance to kind of share some words of wisdom with the, the Navisa that you were 10 years back or perhaps nine years back, what would they be? Oh, it would be just don't worry about what other people think. <laughs> just do your thing, right? Don't don't worry about the money. Don't worry about what other people think. Just focus on you mm-hmm. and you will have the money. You will get what you need and what other people, people really aren't actually thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. So just awesome. keep going. And that was Nafisa Shireen. She's an entrepreneur and income growth expert and an horseman. She today uses horses to help her clients in becoming better entrepreneurs. I'll have the links to her website and her social media handles right inside the show notes, which you can find at designyourthinking.com slash S2E41. That's season two, episode 41. All right, next week's interview is going to be a really, really interesting one. We have another woman on the show. She's a world champion off-road race car driver and a PR executive. And the best part is that the conversation went to a lot of interesting places. To make sure that you don't miss out on that episode, hit subscribe wherever you're listening to the show right now. No matter what podcast app you use, click subscribe and stay tuned to every episode as they come out every Wednesday. And yes, if you've been a long-time listener of the show or you just happen to listen to this episode for the first time, I really would appreciate if you could take a moment to leave the show a rating and review. Now, you can do it very simply. It doesn't really matter what device you use. Just head over to designyourthinking.com slash review. Type that in your browser and you'll be taken to a page where you can type in your review. And of course, if you are on an Apple device, you'll find a button right there. Click that and I would really appreciate if you could leave a rating and review for the show on iTunes. Again, thank you so much. The show is also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play and YouTube. Just type designyourthinking.com slash Spotify or slash Stitcher or slash Google Play and uh, it will take you right there. I truly appreciate you taking the time today and until I see you with the next episode, take care and cheers my friend. <laughs>